0: I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you very late into the night on Tuesday into Wednesday on the heels of what was an absolutely... uh Kind of preposterous loss for the Atlanta Hawks. That's, um, you know, in the middle of a season in which it's clear that the Hawks are rebuilding. Uh, individual results are, aren't quite as magnified as they would be during a playoff race or something, something like that. But on a night when the Hawks uh, blew a game pretty much um, in catastrophic fashion, it is uh, probably appropriate to focus a little bit more on the actual result than anything else. Uh, the Suns beat the Hawks by a final score of 104-103. to 103. Uh, Atlanta had led by about nine points um, with less than two minutes to go. And uh, even from there, that probably undersells the collapse that, that, that took place. From the Hawks, in the end, uh, it was the uh, science banking place on the stretch by Budenholzer was asked kind of what happened, and uh, in short, he gave the uh, the short answer and basically said that uh, they were outscored by six or seven points down the stretch. So one of those things where they were clearly frustrated behind the scenes, but the Hawks imploded in a big way here, and that's the headliner of this podcast. So we'll run through what actually transpired from start, sort, sort from start to finish here before we get into some individual stuff, as always, but I appreciate listening to the podcast, and here we go. Um, the first... Really, most of this game was pretty kind of the Hawks until the very, very end. But the first uh, quarter, Kent Bazemore was scorching hot coming out of the gates. The Hawks, the Hawks took, took a 10-point lead uh, in the first quarter as Phoenix was pretty much... Um, I don't want to say impotent, but they were not not great in that early uh, portion of the game for the Suns. Uh, Marco Bellinelli was fantastic uh, most of the game offensively uh, and had his own sort of trademark individual run in the second quarter as the Hawks took a 14-point lead at, at that point. Bellinelli had 12 points in his first eight minutes of play. Um, the Suns did, though, re, uh, did sort of... Uh, You know, punch back is probably the best way to put it, uh, as they had a 14-5 run near the end of the half, tied the game at 46 before going into the half, only a slight deficit. Um, Not a super fast pace in that first half, but if anything, Fox allowed uh, sort of the rebounding was was probably the Achilles heel for Atlanta in the first half. They gave up about a 40% offensive rebound rate to the Suns that ended up being uh, pivotal in allowing the uh, home team to stay in the game, honestly, in the spot. Still, the Hawks took an, eight, uh, used an 8-0 an run, took a 9-point lead midway through the third quarter. Uh, that was spurred by back-to-back threes from Ursula Lezova, who was very good in this game. We'll talk about him, of course, a little bit later, and actually held Devin Booker scoreless in the third quarter, uh, which is definitely noteworthy because Booker finished this game with 34 points. So do the math on that, and you'll see what sort of transpired here. And then the Hawks, again, had another 8-1 run to go up by, go up by 10 points in the fourth quarter. At that point, I believe they led by 12 points with about 4.5 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. From there, things get wonky. As I mentioned before, the Hawks were up by 9 with 157 to go. And from there, um, the collapse began. Uh, A 3 from Devin Booker. At the 37 second mark, um, got the uh, got the Suns back within two uh, after they had been down by five, and then a an ill conceived charge um, by Dennis Schroeder on the other end of the floor gave the Suns the ball back. Then Kent Bazemore, very very uh, o- very very aggressive, probably overly aggressive in defending in defending Devin Booker, fouled him on a three point jump shot with 12.3 seconds to go. Uh, Booker made all three to give Phoenix a one point lead. Um, then uh, probably the play of the game, honestly individually, was Marquise Chris going up and blocking a attempt from Truder to Torian Prince at the rim. Um, just great, just, a great, just a great, a great play by, uh, by Chris, who I'm not a huge fan of, honestly, as a prospect, but he was very, very good at times in this spot and that was a massive play. Um, from there, the uh, Suns made two free throws, and then uh, down three with about six seconds to go, Dennis Schroeder decided it was going to be a good idea to go coast-to-coast coast and inexplicably take a quick two, uh, made a, made a layup with 0.9 seconds to go. If you want to make the most generous possible description of that, uh, somebody threw this out to me on Twitter in the immediate aftermath of the game. You could probably, I guess, if you wanted to, <laughs> again, be, be very generous, say that Schroeder was trying to draw contact and get a three-point play. I will not buy that Honestly, I think he probably just didn't understand the time more than anything else. And uh, to make matters more hilarious or worse, if, depending on your viewpoint of this one, um, the Hawks had no timeouts at this point in time. So getting a quick two in that spot, there just wasn't enough time for it, period. But especially with no timeouts, the Hawks would have had uh, would have uh, sort of in a, a best-case scenario a foul in the backcourt with about you know one, maybe two seconds to go. In a perfect scenario, and would have had no timeouts to advance the ball all the way, all the way up the court. Just a, an extremely low percentage play from a shooter, ended up not working out. Where the Hawks could even foul at all, and the, as the bucket went in with 0.9 seconds to go, and that was sort of the end of that. As the Hawks fell by the one-point margin. So. Yeah, start to finish here, uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, honestly, the Hawks didn't play overly well, but they were definitely in control of this game for most of the night, and uh, in the final minutes, it looked like it was going to be, I was starting to write and sort of formulate my notes in a, in a winning fashion for this game, and I think, uh, you know, talking to people on, on our Peachter Group staff, people were sort of formulating all of their thoughts uh, through the prism of a victory uh, on this fine night, but that's what happens when you have basically have a pretty bad collapse, and it seemed like it definitely affected uh, Budenholzer, and of course, I was not at the game in Phoenix, but he was... Uh, on the broadcast, he, you know, it was pretty clear that he was frustrated. And I'm sure the players uh, followed suit in that way. So, uh, all told, a pretty brutal performance. From the Hawks, and it's a game that they absolutely should not have lost. Uh, there's some questionable stuff there at the end of the game individually. Uh, I, I saw some stuff with some, with some referee issues. I, I did not really have any of those, honestly. You know, Bazemore fouled um, Booker pretty clearly. Um, Chris didn't foul Prince. I didn't think on the, on the alley oop, and then you know, shooters play sort of stands for itself. So uh, you know, I'm sure you could go find go find a call or two either way in the fourth quarter that would have been not 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 ideal necessarily. But the Hawks just didn't play well and did not execute on the stretch and basically shot. Themselves in the foot over and over and over again and that led to the 104 103 result before we get into the individual stuff which i promise we will definitely do here i do want to talk to you about the good folks at the draft app Fantasy sports fans, listen up. Did you know that your chances of winning on draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why draft is my favorite fantasy site. No more getting crushed by the pros. And it's not just me. More than 1 million people that have already downloaded the draft app agree with me. Play in a real live NBA draft right now. Be done in under 5 minutes and get paid out the next day. Drafts are filling every second so you can join one whenever you want to do so. All new players get a free entry into a Real Money Draft when you make your first deposit, but that's only if you use my promo code LOHawks. That's right. Play in a Real Money Draft for free by using the promo code LOHawks. It gets even better than that from there, though, as Draft is so sure you'll love it that they are offering a a money-back guarantee to listeners of this podcast up to $100. Just search the Draft app in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with the promo code LOHawks. Once again, that's LOHawks. Check out the Draft app today. So uh, please check that out, uh, listen to uh, this podcast, and of course use the promo code, but definitely the uh, draft up is something I would recommend in a big way. Um, getting on to the individual portion of the program here, uh, some positives to take place for sure. I mean, it's not all negative. Obviously, the overall result was very negative, but individually, we'll start with the starting five in this game. Uh, Kent Bazemore was very, very good here, uh, had 20 points, 4 assists, 4 steals, 3 rebounds, did have 5 turnovers and fouled out of this game, went 29 minutes, but Bazemore, 7 of 8 from the floor, 4 of 5 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line, missed his, missed his last shot of the game, honestly, uh, so he he was 7 of 7 at one point, was basically just, obviously, uber efficient, and did a reasonable job defensively at different times in this game, obviously, I think it's pretty clear at this point that Devin Booker isn't, a very, diff- a very difficult player to guard, and Bays did not have all the answers, clearly, as you saw down the stretch of this game. But uh, some positive moments for Bays um, on, the, on the end of the floor. And offensively, he was very, very good, very efficient. Can't ask for much more from him. Arsalan Leasova had a nice game as well. 21 points, 9 rebounds. I mentioned before he, he had a nice stretch where he hit back-to-back threes, sort of a, a, a momentum-shifting um, stretch for the Hawks, but 7-15 from the floor, 3-7 of seven from 3, 4-5 from the free-throw line, and uh, he was just pretty darn good here, honestly. Minus 7, but I, I'm, I'm not sure that's exactly representative of the way that he played in this spot. Torian Prince was not great offensively. Two of fourteen from the floor, one of seven from three. That's you know that's going to happen at sometimes. I, I didn't think he was terrible, honestly. I thought he actually played better than those numbers indicate, but a bad shooting night for sure for Torian. Something a pretty forget forgettable performance from him on both ends of the floor. T.J. Warren had thirty-one points, and that was a guy that uh, Prince was dealing with a lot defensively in this game. So not not right not, not a great spot for Torian. Let's, let's just say on both ends of the floor, Miles Plumlee, <clears throat> sorry, six points, seven rebounds, and twenty-seven minutes. from the floor, 0-2 from the free throw line in the ugly fashion in the second half. Still, um, the, the thing that I circled in this game was him playing 27 minutes and John Collins playing 20. We'll talk about Collins in a second, but you know Plumlee should about be playing only 27 minutes. That's kind of the moral of the story here. I feel like I'm gonna stay on every single podcast until it changes, but uh, just too many minutes for Plumlee, honestly, in this spot. And, and I know he was, I know he, he, he was plus eight, and uh, obviously the Hawks were able to outscore the Suns with him on the floor, but um, that was not exactly a result of Plumlee being Plumlee. And I thought, you know, it wasn't like he was terrible, but I just cannot get behind him playing uh, that many, more, that many more minutes than Collins did in this game. Uh, lastly, in the starting five, then a shooter, 20 points uh, and had five assists, but had five turnovers, two rebounds, but seven, seven of 17 from the floor. Uh, I thought he was pretty ghastly in that in that stretch run. Obviously, the inexplicable to quick two aside, he had the, you know he had the big charge as well. Defensively, had some issues as well. Um, I wasn't as if he was terrible the entire game. I actually thought he played uh, pretty and in, pretty intensely defensively uh, at, at points in this game. I, I, I was uh, I had that as a, as a note to be circled early on when he was uh, sort of giving good effort on the end. I think he's def- definitely been playing better defensively in recent days honestly just because of the effort factor and he's using his considerable gifts to his advantage more often and uh, more consistently Uh, but you know that stretch run sort of overrides everything I had a lot of hot takes about how Schroeder um, you know, couldn't be around long-term because of this game, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, my, my thoughts on Schroeder are pretty much unchanged after this performance. I just don't think that, um, it's, it's, I think long-term he probably isn't going to be the, the point guard that takes the Hawks to the next level. But at the same time, you know, judging on one really, really bad, again, really, really bad stretch, it's probably not the best uh, tact moving forward. But he was bad in that stretch. Uh, before that, though, I thought he actually played reasonably well, even though there were a couple of issues. Moving on to the bench in this game, not, not a whole lot to get to honestly here, except for Marco Bellinelli having a huge game, 16 points, 7 of 11 from the floor, and 1 of 3 from three. He did cool down, only, only played 21 minutes, which some people were actually upset by. I was not. I think it's one of those things where you ride where you ride Bellinelli as much as you possibly can as a scorer, but um, defensively he was uh, really really bad, you know, as usual, and they were able to take full advantage of him, uh, whether it be Booker, or whoever else, you know, Warren, everybody kind of took their turn to take advantage of Bellinelli in this game. So you kind of just take what take what. You what he can give you offensively but I had no problem with him not playing a ton of minutes there he's really the only guy on the bench that was overly productive John Collins six points five rebounds two assists two steals and a block in 20 minutes was one of six from the floor which is not uh not exactly encouraging you know John's been very uh you know been a lot less efficient recently I you know some of that's just not giving consistent time in my opinion and not being uh sort of featured and they in the best way offensively still he has cooled off from what was probably unsustainable efficiency early on in the season. Still the headliner for me, again, I will say it quickly, is that you know Collins should not be playing 20 minutes when Plumlee's playing 27 minutes. That's just something that I just cannot get behind under any circumstances as long as there's health and uh, foul trouble. I mean Collins did have four fouls, so maybe that contributed just a little bit to it. I don't want really to think that it did, honestly, though. I think Bud just rolled with Plumlee, especially in the stretch run when Collins only had four. It wasn't like he had five and could, was going to play carefully. Um, so, yeah, didn't love that. Uh, elsewhere, the other three guys that played in this game, Tyler Cavanaugh, Isaiah Taylor, and Duncan Delaney all played between 13 and 14 minutes. None of those guys had really particularly uh, impressive games. Cavanaugh did have seven rebounds in 14 minutes, but was, was one of five from the floor and 0-3 oh, three from three, so he cooled off a little bit after a nice bounce-back run as a shooter. Uh, Taylor and Delaney were both okay, I thought, just kind of uh, nondescript, to be honest with you, so not, not too much to get, to get into there. I will say, though, Mike Muscala returned to action, but it was not actually on the floor. Uh, he was active, and the Hawks announced before the game he was available to play but did not get on the floor here muscala had been inactive for quite some time so that's at least one solid step that he was available to play here but still he and luke babbitt and tyler dorsey none of which played even though they were all healthy um, between muscala and babbitt i like to see one of those guys get some playing time here i mean i understand Bud sort of right riding, riding with tyler cavanaugh but hopefully if muscala with a couple more days off here after this game get more ingrained potentially take some minutes away from Plumlee, if not all of them uh, in the in the immediate future at um, least some minutes away i want to see I want to see some of muscala who they have this investment in and will probably be on the roster next year because of the fact that he has a player option so you want to get him back reintegrated as fast as possible and Babbitt as well Dorsey, another DMP, which is not a big surprise. So, uh, you know, all told, offensively, the Hawks did enough probably to win here. Uh, a 107.2 offensive rating is a pretty slow paced game, but uh, only, only 18 assists, which is a little bit troubling. 41% from the floor, but they get to the line for 25 attempts and, um, you know, did kind of. Well, I wouldn't say they were great offensively by any stretch of the imagination because Phoenix is pretty bad defensively, um, but still they probably did enough. It was just the defensive end on the floor allowing a, one, a 108 off, uh, offensive rating for the Suns and 51% shooting uh, for the game for Phoenix. You know, Obviously Booker with 34 points and Warren with 31. If you told me coming into the game, those guys were going to go for 65 points. The Hawks are in big trouble. And even though they still should have won this game, even with those guys doing that, um, not great defensively as a whole here for the Hawks. So uh, moving on from here, the Hawks are, this is, this is of course, number one of, of a five-game road trip, so nothing, uh, no huge breaks here. The Hawks do have two days off before they hit, before they get back in action again on Friday in Portland, so a little bit of time to regroup here and uh, sort of get refocused after what was obviously a brutal loss. Still, um, you know, doesn't get any easier here. Portland, then back-to-back in L.A., and then uh, Denver to end the road trip, so, you know, this, this was the easiest game on the schedule and the entire road trip, especially because of the, the rest beforehand, so not getting that one not exactly setting up great especially because again it was a blown opportunity so i understand the frustration you know the tweets were flying in the in the aftermath and really even during the collapse i totally understand hawks fans getting frustrated there was of course the uh, segment that was uh, a little bit less upset because the hawks uh, you know took a took a bad loss that probably is a good thing quote unquote for the taking pr- purposes Still, I can assure you that nobody in that locker room was pleased about losing this game. And, uh, yeah, this, 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 this was going to sting for a while, as uh, as the broadcast said, as Bud said, as everybody kind of said after the game. This is one that's going to be uh, hurt. It's, it's one's going to hurt. And even when the Hawks were good a couple of years ago, they, they lost a brutal game like this. Against, it was an Archie Goodwin game winner when the Hawks were good two years ago, I believe it was, um, when Fede sunk, sunk them. So something about that building has not treated the Hawks particularly well recently, and uh, that was definitely the case here. So, Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. You've done that already. I really appreciate you guys t- checking in. I apologize for a little bit of a spotty uh, performance recently, but we're back in town. We're back in Atlanta, which is a nice uh, nice, fun, nice, fun change after what I was dealing with over the Christmas and New Year's break. So more consistency here. We'll have a show again tomorrow and, of course, every uh, every day, uh, every, every weekday at least after that and maybe even a weekend show or two here as the Hawks are going to be really in action over the weekend. So check us out. We, we will always be here and uh, subscribe to all that fun stuff. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort.